gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest news in mixed martial arts. And there's some big stuff, folks. There is a whole new landscape at 205 pounds in the UFC. We no longer have an undisputed champion. And we have a whole new, brand new main event at UFC 282. It's a mess. And I got lots to say about it. So that happened in the last few days. And then one of the biggest upsets in PFL history, uh, arguably in women's MMA history, and it's just a big upset, honestly, in the sport of mixed martial arts. We'll talk about PFL 10 and what went down in the main event. We'll talk about PFL 10 overall, the pay-per-view. I ponied up, so Goes and I got to watch it. And frankly, I was a satisfied customer, so... That along with everything else, and of course, hoping you all had a nice Thanksgiving. Let's get to it. Because I think the story can best be told how it, it was experienced by Jan Blahovich. Jan Blahovich was supposed to fight Magomed Ankalaev at UFC 282. In the co-main event. The main event was going to be Glover Teixeira challenging Yuri Prochaska for his undisputed light heavyweight title. Of course, you know, Prochaska took the title from Glover, so this is an immediate rematch. They're going to run it back like they say on the streets. And Blahovich leaves Poland as a, a co-main eventer, and when he arrives, he's headlining against Magomed Ankalaev. What went down is Yuri Prochaska about a week ago injured his shoulder. I guess he tried to see if he could fight through it while he was getting it looked at. Eventually, he realized he couldn't. But together with the UFC, they decided it was going to be really, really a long road to recovery if you tie in the, the surgery itself and then the rehab, right? So they go to Glover Teixeira and they say, yo, Glover, um, Yuri's out. And it sounds like he's vacating. So it's going to be you versus Magomed Ankalaev in the uh, main event now. And so Glover says, can I fight Blahovich in the main event? And they go, no, it's Ankalaev. He goes, okay, can I fight Ankalaev on, in January at UFC 283 in Brazil? Roughly about five weeks. And they said, no, you need to fight him on this card. He goes, I can't fight him on this card because this is a whole different skill set than what I was preparing for. So I will fight Blahovich, but not Ankalaev. So he made it a point because by then a lot of these guys have done media, right? Or, or, or they shared their comments. So he made it a point to say, um, I accepted both fights. It's just one of them I was willing to do on December 10th. And the other one would have had to wait because it's, it's just a whole different skill set. Plus, I think mixed into that cake batter goes is, hey, I'm Glover Teixeira. I fought a lot for you guys. I put in my time. I've been a, a good soldier. I'm in my 40s. Like, throw me a bone here, you know? And he didn't get it, goes. They said, nope, if you can't do it, then it's Blahovich versus Uncle Live, which is weird because um, I guess technically they would have had to ask Blahovich, hey, do you want it? And, yeah, some of you may go on, of course he did, you big dummy. He was training for it. He was, but he was only training for a three-round fight, not a five-round fight. And I think you kind of have to negotiate the terms. Like, do I get a bump and raise or what's the deal, you know? Because if he finds out Glover's out, he might think they're pinned to a corner. Maybe I can squeeze another zero out of these cats. Mm -hmm. So, to be fair, you know, he, he should have been consulted, but he wasn't because by the time he landed, according to him, that other fight was set. And, of course, he's happy because he gets a shot at the title. I mean, I really doubt any of that would have happened. But to be fair, you know what I mean, 
I think you need to at least check in with these with with these people, right? Yeah, and, and you know what? Now that I think about it, George, we did talk about this on, on the last show because that's when we had to do the show as soon as you got here. Remember, it happened while you were driving, but a little bit more information, I guess, has come out uh, since then. Goes. That's why I was. Uh, the reason I was doing it was for those that didn't catch our last show. I mean, obviously, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and the Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, if you're ever going to tune out to one of uh, one of our shows, it might be day before Thanksgiving, right? Or Thanksgiving Day, wherever you are in the world when you caught this. But, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty nuts that we're in this situation now. Um, reading what Blahovich he had a really funny tweet that just said, you know, you board a plane one way and you get out, it's like the world is completely upside down. Um, look, dude, man, like, you know, like we said before, I understand where Glover's coming from with all of this. And in a perfect world, maybe it doesn't go down this way, but you have to know that the UFC does work a a certain way. And no is not a word that they like to hear very often. Right. You know, it might work out for Glover in the long run. You never know, but it might also be a career killer. You don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. Well, now he'll know in a few weeks who he has to train for. And if it's Blahovich, then I think he'll feel comfortable there because he's beaten him once, but Blahovich might add a new wrinkle to his game mm-hmm. while he defeats Ankoliev. If that happens, you know, who knows what's going to happen. And if he fights Ankoliev, then he'll have plenty of time to, to fight him. Now, here's where it gets confusing. All right. So, yeah, I may have fumbled that a little bit. We've talked about this a little but Yeah, a lot of info has come in. One thing that Yuri said was he thinks he'll be back in six months. What bothers me a little bit is could the UFC spin have made it so troubling, like, oh, he's got to vacate. He's going to be gone for such a long time that we can't do an interim. Because that was mostly a, that was what most people's beef was. Hey, why didn't we just do an interim? You guys, Because it was the worst injury of all time, right? The worst shoulder injury they've ever seen. Yeah, you guys love interims. Why didn't you just do an interim? You love it. And they, you know what? Of course, said, man, this is like those said was one of the worst we've ever seen, you know. And he's going to be gone for a while. So the way Dana was painted it, painting it was, um, he'll be gone for a year, and it's been six months since he's fought. So yeah, we got to we got to do this. Now Yuri said, hey, you know, stuff went down. Of course, I'm paraphrasing here. Stuff went down. See you in six months. He said though, he didn't say see you in a year. He thinks he'll get it done in six months. Now, of course, Yuri doesn't you know, moonlight as a sports orthopedist or anything like that. Uh, I'm sure maybe someone told him that, or maybe he just thinks that who knows, maybe there's the truth in, in there somewhere, but I'm still wondering, did we really need to do that? You know, like, could we have let him do the surgery first and then see what the doctor says? I mean, once the surgery's done, usually the doctor goes, okay, well, this is what we found and this is what we're doing. And, you know, it's not like they never elevated an interim to an undisputed before. They have done that. But um, I think they could have just done an interim. You know, who knows? It, that, 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 that one won't keep me up to uh, up at night too much. If anything, maybe it should bother Yuri. But if Yuri was the one that stepped up and said it, then sure, okay. Um, sometimes I just think the fighters in their camps could be a little naive sometimes. And when the UFC gets in your ear, you're almost willing to run through a, a brick wall for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can totally see that happening, but um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I just don't understand the wording of things sometimes. Like, honestly, I haven't heard that too often. You know, the worst shoulder injury we have ever seen. Like I never really hear Dana say those type of things. So to me, I'm thinking this dude's shoulders barely hanging on, you know, like, so to hear him say, see you in six months, that doesn't really add up. You know what I mean? I mean, there are, to me, the worst shoulder injury you can get. And again, I don't moonlight as an orthopedist, but I always hear the labrum takes a long time to heal. So I'm just, I'm just thinking it's something like that. And that, you know, we're, we're just not going to see this dude for a very, very long time. Something doesn't add up. It's just kind of strange. Yeah, exactly. I think there's been other situations where, an interim just flat out wasn't necessary. Um, and then there's been there's been cases where they, like I didn't think an interim was necessary when Francis Ngannou won it. Let's see here, in March of 2021, 
and they were already having the interim like in July or August of 2021 when he had said, I can fight in September of 2021. So, mm-hmm. but they went with it, you know, because the UFC will loves to put title fights out there. They don't care if it's interim or whatever. It just sells more. It sells more pay-per-view. It's a business decision. I don't particularly think they love it as much either, but that's just their business decision. And the hardcore fans are a loud bunch. We're part of them. We're, we cover the sport, but we're fans at heart. So we'll say what we got to say, and then we move on. We Everyone just moves on, you know, and, and that's what we got. the title, though. I, I truly believe it diminishes the title. And later on, when we're talking about, like, who deserves to go into a Hall of Fame and all that, just about everybody you know has had either a belt or an interim belt because this is a sport where it's hard to reign for a long time in a division. So belts kind of move around a lot. And then on top of that, you throw in interim belts and all that. Like, I don't know, man. To me, it kind of makes the belt look silly. Well, you might have gone a bit too far. I don't know if it makes it look silly. But, yeah, it does diminish the the belt because you want to win it from the undisputed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that moment when the undisputed claps along and then shakes your hand as they're raising your hand. And there's like this proverbial patching, passing of the torch. That guy got me. You know, then you can say whatever you want on the back. He got lucky or Whatever, but at that moment, there is something like that, and you're right, that, that, that does do it. Now, silly, well, maybe, but, you know, I look back sometimes from time to time at the history of the um, of the belts, and sometimes I really don't remember the circumstances unless I start reading, how did we get there, what happened, or whatever. I just remember at some point that cat wore a belt and respect to that cat, because that cat, to get in that position, had to win a few fights and had to have a pretty decent career. Uh, nobody just kind of, like, hang lights into a title shot other than, Matt Sarah and Travis Luter, but you know, they competed in a contest. I'm not trying to diss them. They competed in a contest, and one of them actually pulled it off against one of the goats, my goat, you know. And and Luter had Anderson Silva in some trouble, so they almost pulled that off. But it's just weird. Like, you know what it reminds me of? Do you ever watch on TV when somebody's standing outside of a convenience store or something, and somebody walks up with a dog and they go, Hey, can you watch my dog for a second? I'm just going to go in and grab something. The guy goes, yeah, sure. And he holds the dog. The guy goes in, gets something, comes back out, hands him back the dog. That's, to me, what the interim feels like to me. Can you hold the belt for a second? I'll be back in a little bit. And then that's it. Like, we just kind of forget about it. When we're doing the math and we're going through people's careers and we're like, does he deserve to go in the Hall of Fame? He was a champ, right? Oh, that's right. But he was an interim. Does it really count? Does it not? I don't know, dude. Like, it sometimes it, it just kind of gets silly because there's so many of them. Yeah. If this happened every once in a while, it wouldn't be so bad. But there's just so many of them that it's hard to keep track. And then it's hard to really like even take the interim title seriously because there's so many of them. Some are pretty valid. I get what you're saying. Some are pretty valid. Like when Tony won his, there was so much politicking going on between Habib and Connor at the time. And Tony had won so many fights that when him and Kevin Lee fought, I thought if anything, for sure, Tony deserved to be on the spot. And when he won and they gave him that belt, him and I think the diamond as well, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a few that put in so much of their time to get in these spots. And for whatever reason, sometimes their own doing got squeezed out. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, but there's been some weird ones along the way. And, and I hope that in five years, we can say, hey, that hasn't happened lately. You know, there's a little bit more um, rhyme and reason being restored to fight, you know, to matchmaking, to title, um, you know, title contender fights. And you're not just kind of grabbing this and grabbing that. And just sometimes I feel like uh, the UFC is like a dam. It has holes. And rather than say, hey, you know, it probably cost about X amount of dollars to get a contractor in here and reinforce the dam. Let's cover it up. It almost seems like they say, hey, can we get something on a cheap? Can we just throw a couple sandbags in there? And then we'll deal with this one. Oh, there's another one. You know, like they say sticking fingers in the dike or whatever in the in the dam, like that type of mm-hmm. thing. Rather than like the actual proper job that it would take to reinforce things and make it better. Um ah. Why do you see needs to have a title fight? Do they really need it? Like, do they feel like some people will just 
not buy it. I'm sure they have analytics that tell them that. And so then when you tell them, yeah, but you hung in there to your strong roots, you know, you kept it pure. They just may not care. That's the problem. You and I care, but I would hope Dana cares, but I would hope Dana cares more about that than the money. I thought they would reach a point when the money was so good that that kind of stuff wouldn't matter because the, 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 um, the weight of the undisputed title has to, has to carry something, you know, some, some sort of prestige to it. But what's the analytic? Like what actually says to them that I bought that fight because it was an interim title fight and not because who the two fighters were and and that they were going to fight anyway. Like when have you and I, we've had this conversation a billion times. Hey, we getting a pay-per-view this weekend. When have we ever said, I don't know, is it, in, is it for an interim title? Because if it's not, I ain't getting this shit. When have we ever said that? When have we ever heard anybody say that? Where is this analytic that can prove that? Don't you just tune in because the fight's good? Well, like I told you, I think it was Middle Easy or Bloody Elbow or someone from a long time ago had done 10, 12, 15 years ago, some sort of a study that showed Title fight pay-per-views sold 100,000 more pay-per-views than non-title fight pay-per-views on average. Now, there are... good fights, um, right? Huh? Because they're great fights. If you're in a title fight, it means there's probably two good fighters in it. Yeah. Well, that or... or There there could just be people that want to believe that if they're going to pay for something, there better be a title at stake. I don't know. Maybe maybe it gives them the, the gratification... You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I wish I could come up with a, a proper example, but they must do it for the reason because they will bend over backwards to make a title fight. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Like um, Nate versus Hamzat wasn't for a title fight, but they would counter. But Nate's a superstar. He sells pay-per-views. Oh, okay. Well, then, um, you know, whatever. Create more of those then, right? <laughs> Create more of those superstars that don't have to necessarily have a title because i tune in for scraps i mean i do yeah, love I, it when titles are at stake but there are a few titles where i'm like eh, i'm more i'm more into the featured belt yeah i mean i'm in hamzad nate you got me but i wouldn't be that much more in if it was for an interim like i don't really care i don't know maybe it's just me if a hundred people this could be a hundred thousand ten thousand a million whatever I'm just going to use 100. It's easier. If 100 people were lined up at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center and there was the um, Studio A, Studio B, and Studio C. You follow? Yeah. 100 people are lined up. And they go, what's in Studio A? And we tell them, Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pajeda. What's in Studio B? Carla Esparza versus Zhang Wei Li for their title fights. What's in Studio C? Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier. Oh, can we jump around? Nope. All the fights start at the same time, and once you're in, we close the door, and you can only watch one fight. Okay. So feel free. Walk into whatever studio you want. How do you? How many people do you think would have walked into each studio using 100? I think almost everybody would have just walked into Chandler Poirier. Everyone? I mean, unless you're unless you're 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 just pulling Joe Schmo, you know, like from the bar or something. Hey, qué pasó, amigo? Oh, okay, it's for a tile. Yeah, I gotta go see this. Then maybe, but if you if they're actually fight fans, I would be shocked if not everybody would want to go see Chandler Poirier. I, I don't know. Uh. uh I don't think anybody's walking in the Esparza fight. I'll just be honest there. So it's between the other two, maybe uh, 80-20, something like that. Yeah, I think that's fair, 80-20. I was even going to concede 90-10 if you wanted. And, and a lot of it has to do with we weren't all as familiar with Pajeda. A lot of it would have been hanging on the fact that Pajeda knocked this guy out a couple or once in kickboxing and he beat him. But if that story's not there and he's just a decorated striker, dude, that thing might be like 90-10, 95-5, you know, because the other ones are, you know, they're, they're just going to put on a show. Mm-hmm. And so I think the UFC needs to lean on some of those a little bit. Um, 
not using Nate for a year and a half or same thing. You know, Poirier hadn't fought in 11 months. That seemed like a mistake to me as well. Just pay them a lot of money, and a lot of people want to watch the fight. And that will allow the, some of these champions to recover and be ready. And not I, Sometimes I feel like we're being force-fed. A little bit, yeah. Anyway, all right. So that's the latest. And it's still Magomed Ankalaya versus Jan Blachowicz. You know, <laughs> if one of these guys were to get injured, boy, Glover would have a, a field day. You know, I don't know if, if he's still training or what. And all of a sudden they had the call, yo, Glove. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, our bad, dog. Yeah, you know, going to make that call? You're going to laugh your ass off. <laughs> Turns out one of these cats got hurt. I won't even say their name, so I won't jinx them. One of these cats got hurt, and ah, we just thought maybe, you know, you might still want to fight on the 10th or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Glover just goes, well, 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 look who we have here. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, I would be down to fight, but you know, like, oh, I don't know. I, I, I carry a we'll call it a holiday fee, you know. I don't really like to fight in December, so I, I've created this holiday fee. And if you want to pay that fee along with everything else, you're gonna pay, me. yeah, sure, I'll show you. Know, I don't know. Anyway, let's not jinx it anymore. Um, on Friday night at the PFL 10 finals championship. Is that what they called it? All those times I said it, I still don't remember what to call it. It was called PFL 10 22, wait, 2022 championships. Um, Larissa Pacheco did it goes. She beat Kayla Harrison. Um, they went the distance, so the decision went in her favor. And nobody really disputed the decision. Did you notice that? Nobody really had a problem with that. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people felt it was 2-2 going into round five. But I remember telling you guys, well, what if it isn't? And even though Pacheco's winning round five, she loses the fight and, you know, Kayla keeps the belt. Well, by then, you know, we, we just waited and found out that that wasn't the case. Pacheco did, in fact, win it. And that goes, that fight, to me, was a cherry on Sunday. I enjoyed PFL 10 2022 championships take my money i have no problem i don't even need a a dollar back or anything like that nope i don't need i don't need nothing you guys did a good job yeah it was a fun card it was fun to watch uh going in i felt like the price tag might have been just a little steep but uh it paid off you know i I liked everything about the card even even the fights that didn't have anything to do with million dollars or anything like that it was a fun night overall that fight you know, you said something interesting when we started the show about where, you know, one of the biggest upsets in women's MMA, and it is, but then again, like, if you look at our staff picks, I think quite a few people put Pacheco down. I wanted to put Pacheco down, but I just felt like, what is Kayla, like, uh, Kayla would have every right to give me Frank Mirface or doing something like that. He's already got two wins over, uh, you know just being announced as like the second coming i just couldn't find i, I couldn't find the reason to put it down but i i had a feeling as well that this could be going that route so maybe it should definitely be talked about in that regard but it probably doesn't hold up to like ronda and and holly right or uh juliana pena and and amanda nunez i don't think it holds up to that because I was going to tell you, oh, oh, maybe this should be something we talk upsets. about. Huh? Yeah, yeah. You mean yeah. because those are bigger upsets. Yeah, I think they yeah. were. Because I was going to tell you, hey, that's a great question. We should just save that for SBC tomorrow, by the way. Watch that live. But uh, when I started thinking about it, and I was like, I don't think they hold up to the – I don't think it even comes close. But it's pretty big. It's pretty huge. You know, Larissa Pacheco, you got to give her props. I think – I think she could have made that fight even worse for Kayla. You know, certain things here and there. If she would have made uh, adjustments. Mm-hmm. I think there were there were times where she had like a little bit of low fight IQ. I think she could have made that fight even worse for Kayla Harrison. Um, you mean more Kayla, Yeah, just certain certain things that she went for that you just kind of knew she, she probably wouldn't get. She took some risks. I think it could have been even more dominant. Um, 
but Kayla, she's got work to do, man. That's the problem is like she kind of really ruined a lot of things, right? If we bring up Amanda Nunes now, if we bring up Chris Cyborg now, um, somebody hit that person in the head with a frying pan. Like they just, they're not in the same league. I think Larissa Pacheco proved that. Uh, Larissa Pacheco, that's no pushover either, right? Like she's a, a decent fighter, but I don't think she's on that level where we need to have these conversations. Now, the good thing is Kayla's got two wins over her. They're going to fight again. And, but even with a win over her, I feel like she won't erase what we saw that night. And that was a fighter that still just seems to have some holes in her game. Yeah. Her championship rounds was a, a clear drop off from the first 15 minutes. Uh, Pacheco, I mean, the science tells us you're obviously going to be more tired in those rounds than the first couple. But lately, I've seen some fighters that are really, really strong, man, in rounds four and five. And that's why I tend not to. I, I tend to hold it against fighters if they're not. Um, they were both tired, but Pacheco did seem to catch her breath faster. So when they were either sitting on the uh, stool for a minute, or if they just had moments where they fought their way back to the feet, and you saw them, like it, it seemed like Kayla was definitely more exhausted. She would catch her breath, but when she came back, her energy level it came at a lower number than Pacheco. Checker would catch her breath, and then it seemed like she just had, I don't know, man, a more adrenaline coursing through her body that kept letting her know the longer it goes, the stronger I'm going to get, you know. And and I think Kayla's body was telling her, you you know, be smart with your gas tank. There's not much left, you know. Whatever you do, whatever, if you're going for a takedown, you got to nail it, you know. And I think Larissa was able to flow a little bit better. But um, it did come down to round five. I have the scores right here. And it was pretty easy, and it was pretty consistent. So this will be really not too much to talk about. Michael Bell, Douglas Crosby, and Sal Diamato all went 10-9 Harrison in uh, All went 10-9 Pacheco in round two. All went 10-9 Harrison in round three. All went 10-9 Pacheco in round four. And they all went 10-9 Pacheco in round five. The media scores had... Eight scores of 48-47 Pacheco, just like the judges. One guy, Scott Fontana from the New York Post, had it 49-46 Pacheco. And one guy, Jed Mishu from MMAfighting.com, he had it 47-47 draw. So there you go. Um, Twitter was very kind to Pacheco. And Kayla, I thought, said some of the right things that I wanted to hear from somebody that's been defeated, you know, just that raw honesty that makes you like one of us, I guess, because you are pretty much a superhero. You're bulletproof, man, in mm -hmm. our sport until you lose. You kind of walk on water, honestly. And then when you do, you're kind of back with us for a moment. You're still kind of a, a superhero, but... um. You're just a superhero that, that knows you always got to be on your toes because your your kryptonite's out there somewhere. But like you said, it's two one still in favor of Harrison. They'll meet up again. It should be a, a fun one. I can't wait for it. I think it'll be big for the PFL, and it'll probably be a main event for the PFL. And the PFL also had five other title fights, and some of them had some incredible moments. And then even Aspen Ladd and Julia Budd was fun. Uh, towards the end because it, it went down in the last round as well. So bravo to them. I thought they did a great job, and I really wish them the best. I don't think we need to have multiple pay-per-views per year. If any, two at the most. Like, give us one in the spring, I suppose, and one in the fall. Load it up like you did, and I think people will gladly pay the money because I think people will react to this one and say, oh, okay, we feel you. You know, like you upped your price or you introduced the price, but you know the food was great, the drinks were great. Everyone said they have a good, they had a good time. You know, so I'll, I'll be there with the next time you you throw this party. Uh, Part of the intrigue is the million dollars though on some of those fights, right? Mm. Um, but let me ask you this: so at the end of the day, was this a good thing for PFL? 
Because yeah. Kayla Harrison is oh. the flagship, right? Wait, the pay-per-view or the no. Kayla Harrison losing? Kayla, Kayla Harrison losing. She is, I don't want to say the man, but she's the woman over at PFL, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the person that you have on your flag. She just lost and probably didn't look too good in that loss. However, I will say this. I might be more interested in watching these two fight again than I would be maybe Aspen Ladd and Kayla Harrison. So I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm trying to figure this out. Well, what are they going to do with the 155 pounds? Because if Kayla's out, do we really need a, a regular season? And No, right? I don't I know. Think you you want to hand them a million dollars? I think you almost say you have a division. Pacheco's the champ. Harrison will get the rematch. Maybe Ladd can get the winner. And the rest of you just kind of fight each other, you know, and for a position to to fight the winner of, of that fight or those fights, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we need to have that. I think what they can do is go, hey, Bantamweights, what you doing? You know, there's probably a lot of Bantamweights out there that are like non-factors in, in certain places. And maybe they can get that division going or bring back their middleweights. I don't know, but I don't think uh, I don't think they need to have a million dollar prize uh, for them. I think just hand some paychecks that you know obviously keep people interested in coming over to the PFL. But hey, you don't have to fight four or five times in six or seven months because they start in April. To be fair, they start in April. Hell, one guy I think started in uh, wasn't it the guy that fought Sadabu was gonna his first fight was I believe. The challengers, if I'm not mistaken, Delano Taylor in March. So he did that. He did the two regular season. He did the playoffs. And I think that was his fifth fight, man. And all of it in five months. Like those weight cuts, the training camp. That's brutal. That really is brutal. Um so uh, we, we we need to we need to talk to PFL and see what they are gonna do. But I would this is how I would do it. I'd say Pacheco, you're the champ. Kayla, you're re, you're gonna rematch her. And I'd probably do it like Somewhere in May, and if they are gonna do two pay per views, that's the one I'd I'd make my first pay per view of 2023 with them two again. Now, granted, yeah. I would still have some really really good fights, and none of them are gonna be title fights like you said, other than that one. But stack it, stack it really really good so that people pay for 50 bucks, you know. And then uh, whatever else happens at the end of the year, I guess that's your second one. Or maybe they'll just do one. I don't know. People are probably yelling at me right now going, you big dummy, why are you putting it in their head to charge us twice? I don't know. I'm just being realistic of what I've seen, you know, in my time in covering the sport. Rarely does a company go, yep, just once a year. You saw WWE, WrestleMania is a blast. Let's do something in the summer. Man, twice a year, let's start doing something for uh, Thanksgiving. Oh man, three times a year. Let's do uh, let's do this thing where every thirty seconds, everyone runs out, and the winner gets in WrestleMania. That that was like their tent poles, their cornerstones. All those four. What was it? SummerSlam, Survivor Series, WrestleMania, and what's the other one? Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble. There you go. I bet you the PFL does does two next year. My that's my my prediction. Do you think so? Well, that's I mean that's my question though. How much does the million dollars have to do with you? having interest in tuning in. Like, I feel like I want to see Brendan Lockname fight someone else. I want to see Rob Wilkinson fight someone else. I don't know that I'm saying that about some of these other guys, right? The million dollars is what kind of makes me sit there and go, ooh, okay, I have to pay attention to this. about to change, that, that type of feeling. Right, so I don't know. Uh, you know, you'd have to do that two times in one year. I don't know if they're going to want to do that, so... Um, but you know, watching Marlon Marias, that was fun. Watching Jeremy Stevens, that was fun. You give me the right opponents there, I, I might still be interested. Yeah. Well, maybe they only do one pay per view. I don't know. Uh, but I think Pacheco is now a star for the PFL. You know, and beating Kayla kind of helped put her over. She's not as big as Kayla in that regard, but still, she is the champ. And we have a fight now. Could it go two? I don't know. Um, is Lad waiting in the in the wings a big deal? I don't know. Do you bring over Chris Cyborg? Uh, you know, they they could maybe do something with this. Chris has always wanted to 
her preference has always been 55, you know, so mm-hmm. that, that might be appealing to her. But um, like I said, I think they have something here with just once Lad was out, sorry, once uh, Kayla was out and she doesn't want to do this regular season and all this other deal, then I think that the division loses a little bit of its appeal to me. Yeah. Here's some of the other winners, some of the new millionaires. Brendan Lochning, like Go said, defeated Bum, uh, Bubba Jenkins. He beat him in the fourth round via TKO stoppage. Ante Dalia defeated Matthias Shuffle. So Ante Dalia got down, man. He won in round one. He's the new heavyweight champ. Already back in, or headed back to Croatia. Says it's a big deal, man. The way he did. Aspen Lad defeated Julia Budd. They kind of took a break from these um, title fights and squeezed this one in there. And are you curious about the decisions there, Gus? The judges' decisions? Did you agree with Lad over Bud? I thought it was a lot closer. Um, I wasn't 100% sure, but I, I, th- I thought that she won the fight. Aspen Lad. So the judges had it like this. All three judges, Corrado, uh, D'Amato, and, and Torelli, went 10-9 Lad in round one. And two judges, Corrado and Torelli, Went 10-9 Lad in round two. Diamato went with Bud. And then in round three, all three judges, Corrado, D'Amato, and Torelli, went 10-9. So, in essence, on Torelli and Corrado's card, Lad was already up 2 nothing, and Bud was drawing dead. On D'Amato's card, it was 1-1, and then he gave it to Bud, and that's why you get the split decision. Had we had open scoring, I suppose Bud's corner would have told her, you need to finish her or win 10-8 just to get the draw um, mm-hmm. because you're already down 2 nothing. Now, the media scores had two of them in favor of Ladd, 29-28, but the other five went in favor of Bud, including our own Matthew Wells. He went 29-28 Bud. So the media scores had more Buds than Lads. But two of the judges had lads instead of buds. So pretty close. Maybe that's why it was a split decision. Yeah. It was a fun fight, though. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. Continuing on, uh, OAM Olivier Abin Merce defeated Stevie Ray. He had a little bit of trouble early on, man. Stevie Ray was kind of getting some takedowns, threatening. Um, but Olivier Abin Merce, I know most of you are going, oh, man. What were the judges' scorecards there? Because OAM goes to a decision a lot. Nope, he didn't do it this time, folks. It was a nice pinpoint right hook that took care of business in round two. And you should see, man, the face he made goes, you know, a lot of fighters that go to a decision will go, hey, a win's a win. Bullshit. Look at your faces after you knock someone out or submit them or whatever. But basically the knockout. And compare that to after you just throw your hands up, you know, and run around the octagon or the, or the cage or whatever. Uh, it's a big difference. This dude was super happy, and I was happy for him. Um, dude's punched the clock a lot, you know. He's fought in the UFC. He's fought in PFL. He's fought some big names. And now he's the world champion of a major belt, and he won a million dollars. So good for him. Man, he had to tell Stevie Ray what happened. I felt so bad. I don't know if you caught that, but Stevie Ray kind of asked did. him, like, well, what'd you hit me with or something like that? Um, yeah. yeah, that dude, I mean, man, he put he put together a pretty good season. You're right, a lot of decisions, but you never felt like he was in any trouble really in any of those fights. So I guess if the point is to not get hurt and just get through and get the win, yeah, he grinded through and made a million dollars, dude. That's That's pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the UFC, he had like three, four, five finishes. I remember one of them was Dunham. And, uh, but then, yeah, in PFL, something changed, man. He started just going in the distance, winning decisions. But hey, he put himself in the right position. He went undefeated in 2022, beat two former champs along the way, Schulte and Manfio. And then Alex Martinez, a finalist. And then he got himself in a position to fight Stevie Ray and he knocked him out. Couldn't have written a better script for that guy. The other fights mm-hmm. left here for PFL 10 2022 championships. 
are Sadabu C defeated Delano Taylor. Decision there. Uh, Rob Wilkinson stopped Omari Akhmadov. Well, actually, the doctor stopped it. In between rounds two and three, the doctor said, enough. And he did not like the cut on Omari. Plus, Omari was just getting blood, uh, bludgeoned, man. I think it was the right call for honesty for him not to come out. Yeah, Tasmania is going nuts, man. I'm a big Rob Wilkinson fan now. He, he's super cool. He's a good fighter to watch. Um, and then as far as the other, what was the other fight you brought up? Sadabusi and the. Oh. Yeah, what can you say about that, man? That, that one was a little rough. Uh, I mean, he fought a tactical fight, I guess, but I think of all the fights that PFL's probably mad at having to sign a check, it might be that one. Um, but there's a lot of money on the line. I, I, I guess I get why that went that way, but the same way... You know, you could you could criti- criticize uh, Sadabu. You could do the same thing for uh, for Taylor, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they just both didn't really seem like uh, they both seemed like they could have done more. I think Sadabu knew that every round was basically high level sparring, and every round he was getting the best of the high level sparring, and I think he was content with that, and that's fine. But yeah. I'd have trouble looking that guy in the eye and going, yeah, man, your fight was exciting. It wasn't. It really wasn't. It was, like you said, tactical. And I think one time I used that on spinning back click, and Simon said, you mean boring or, or surgical? I don't know. I don't know what I said. But, um, yeah, sometimes I think that's our, our kind way of saying you just didn't really go for it, but congrats. You're a champ. We got to give you that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so – but, man, and what sucks is we see Sadabu all the time at the gym. He's a super nice guy. And then the things you hear from some of his training partners or the things that we witness, he's a beast out there. Like I said, when the Countdown Show came out, it was him and – you guys will see it. You'll see the UFC Countdown Show. Uncle I was working a lot with Sadabu C. I mean, this guy really – he you know, he trains with light heavyweights, middleweights, welterweights, and they all go, that guy's a handful. You know, so it, maybe it was a little bit of us selling it. Or Chris Curtis or Eric Nixick on our watch-alongs. You know, I think they said kind things as well, or others. Um, yeah, I think we were just kind of expecting a, a, a little bit more. Um, but he was always in control, so I guess that's why he elected to just go that route. Yeah, that that might have been the one time where uh, during the pay-per-view we just went, oh, man, when is this going to end? But other than that, the pay-per-view was pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, did I get through all of them? Oh, so then that's pretty much all your champions, right? And mm-hmm. then the rest of the fight card had Shaman Rias defeated Marlon Rias. Kind of broke my heart a little bit. I thought Marlon might be ready for a comeback. You know, these are his, his uh, original home. He fought for WSOF before it became PFL. And after retiring from the UFC, he was ready to, you know, come back, right? And I, I don't know if he's going to be a part of the division going forward or not. I don't know if that just it didn't sound like it was a tryout for me. I think they'll still bring him, but Shaman Marias defeated Marlon Marias. These are featherweights now. Uh, oh, sorry. They fought it at 35, it says here. Hmm, I didn't know that. Um, and it was a big overhand right that led to the finish for Mar- Shaman. Yeah? Yeah. No. Any thoughts on um, Shaman's win over yeah. Marlon Marias? I, I thought Marlon looked great. I thought he looked phenomenal up until that moment, and that really, really sucked uh, for him. Because remember, he called it a quit. He called it quits on his career not too long ago, and he came back. And really, when you when you watch him fight, you think, "All right, this guy's reinvigorated. He found the fountain of youth. Who knows?" But uh, now it kind of questions. Well, all right, is he going to come back for the season? Because you know that was a pretty heavy knockout. He's had a couple of those now. What do you do with, with a guy like that at this point? Shaman Marias was he's got a weird career if you look at his at his uh record. I don't know. When he fights, I'm kinda like I I don't know which guy's gonna show up. I mean that was it really wasn't a great performance, but it was clutch to come back and win the fight. So there's a couple of these guys that are just kind of interesting in that same way, like Jeremy Stevens. I'm usually always fired up for a Jeremy Stevens fight. And he kind of sold me a little bit on I, I thought he was going to win this fight. 
but things didn't really click for him either. So what do you do? You know, these are two two fighters that they signed in the last year and a half that bring big names, you know, from another organization. But I don't know that they're gonna pay off. They got me to watch. You know, they got others to watch. But you want that success to continue, and and I don't know that that it's gonna continue that way. Would you put Marias in next year's uh, regular season format? You know what, man? If he told me I'm in, I'm back. I, I love doing this. I want to keep doing this. All right. I mean, I guess I would let him try that, but I don't know how successful he can be. I mean, he w- he was almost there in this fight, and I would have put that performance up because Shannon Rice isn't a bum either. I mean, he's he's a decent fighter. He did make him look silly up until that moment. And they're technically one-one now because Marlon beat him back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I know I confused Shaman one time with um, Alexander Almeida. You, you know, the guy that's got the the Wolfgang type look. Mm-hmm. You see him in the gym a lot. Yeah. That's the guy that had beaten Shaman Marias, and I, sorry, that had beaten Lance Palmer, and I kept confusing, thinking it was Shaman. But yeah, Shaman was in WSOF, then UFC, now back in PFL, and. So him and Rias are one and one. Perhaps they can bring that over. And yeah, because he looked good. He he really did look good. That's why it was a shame that he lost. Because he fought he had a gas tank. He had a ground game. He uh wasn't in a hurry. Like, you know, he was being patient and he was winning the fight, you know, in, in many stages of it. So it was a damn shame to see him get clipped. And of course the first thing people were gonna say is chinny, 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 you know, like is it because of that? It could be, man. How is it hard to say, no, you're off your rocker for thinking that he's lost a lot of fights for, you know, via the KO. So, yeah, that should be brought up. That's fair to bring that up. That's not an insult in any way. Um, it's more because of concern, not because anyone's trying to clown, but we're calling it as we see it, right? Um, yeah. If a team loses 49-7 to in the NFL, you start to think it – is their defense poor or was it about outing, you know, or so it, it's fair to say that when someone gets knocked out, well, you know, what's the deal? What, well, why do you think this may be? So that's going to be said a lot and they have a decision to make at PFL. He's a star. He's a name. And luckily they don't fight till April. Perhaps they can make, maybe make him one of the later starting fighters that buys them six months. We'll see. You know, I, I kind of tend to lean towards I'd love to give him another chance. Um, that's just the game we're in, folks. What's going to suck up, suck goes is if in 20 years we have about 100 fighters with horrible cases of CTE or, um, you know, the, the different types of uh, you know, dementia, TBI, whatever you want to call it, or uh, you know that that one would really, really break my heart. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I I don't feel like we're there yet. We've had you know Liddell slurring his speech. We've had uh, the stories of what came out with Tony Ferguson maybe three years ago, but things you know things have obviously changed for a positive there. Um, I, I remember hearing from Rose Gracie, her saying that publicly that Babaluso Brawl was suffering from headaches, you know, and that was one of like the early, um, I want to say pioneers or heroes because he wasn't like, you know, in the first couple UFCs, but he was in the early stages of the Zufa era of the UFC and he did win a proper title. He won the light heavyweight title in Strike Force. Respect. Right. But that that he was complaining, you know, about certain things. So you hear about that, and then you just kind of stay quiet, and you realize, man, what a da- what a dangerous sport we're in. Totally. I th- unfortunately, I think that is going to happen. I think that that is going to come uh, eventually. But uh, it's unfortunate because we're talking about a guy like Marlon Marias, who, you know, what has he ever done that that was wrong? You know, great guy, great fighter. You look at the guy that embraced him at the end of the fight, Frankie Edgar, same case. Great guy. Great fighter. Uh, but he's suffered some pretty bad ones, too. 
Will that bother goes in 20 years if that happens, or will you accept it as part of the sport, the way that things you know happen? It'll bother me because I don't know that they've been compensated enough to uh, offset that. But even if they were, it's still sad, right? Someone would have to go through it's, that. It's still sad, yeah. But I'm, you know, at least you got that problem. But you're living in a mansion or something, right? And you have money to support yourself, your family, all that. Not working a part-time job in construction. Yeah. Um. All right. I think we gave out all the results, didn't we, from the fight card? Mm-hmm. Did I miss one? No. PFL 10. 2022 championships. Did I say that right? Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there was no UFC, folks. And frankly, I'm glad because I got to go see USC versus Notre Dame. So there may not have been a UFC, but there was definitely USC. And what's up? We're now one of the top four teams, according to the Associated Press, Ohio State lost to Michigan. Let's see if we can hold it, though, because there's that committee that decides on the BCS or whatever the hell it's called. They're the ones that matter. But part of the equation, part of the recipe is, um, you know, whatever AP says, whatever USA Today Sports says, and whatever. You know, I, I did miss two fights, because let me just say these real quick. These are the results. Uh, Natan Schulte defeated Jeremy Stevens. You alluded to it there when you were talking about uh, Marlon Marias's loss. And Magomed Karamov. Magomed Magomed Karimov defeated Gleason Tabao. Decision there. Dakota Dicheva defeated Catherine Corogines, Corogines, something like that. And Biagio Ali Walsh defeated Tom Racer. So that was your card there. And now back to what I was saying. No UFC, so I got to watch a little bit of football. I got to also take it on the chin. My modern-day Monarchs, who haven't lost in almost three years, took a loss to St. John Bosco, a team we beat earlier in the year. They got us in the CIF finals, so that sucked. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. Three years? It can't hurt that bad. Um, USC, that's huge. You know, and they get the chance to avenge their only loss. So I, I feel it's pretty good problem. about I feel pretty good about uh, things that come. Not to mention injuries, and you know, on that side. They're still performing well. And um, so we'll see how that goes. I did want to talk one one last MMA thing before we wrap up, though. Mm-hmm. What's up with Conor McGregor? You mean him being pissed at Anthony Smith? Yeah, well, that and, um, you know, this whole idea of when this dude actually comes back, man, it's going to be a long time. I'm starting to right. lose some interest, man, on some of these guys, these John Jones, uh, Conor McGregor. They've been away a while. We're still getting by. You know what I mean? Like, of course you get psyched when they do decide to fight and all that. But uh, I don't know that I have very many sleepless nights without them either. Yeah. So with McGregor, well, let's talk about the Anthony Smith part first. He was mad that Anthony Smith was mad at the fact that he gets to sidestep USADA. McGregor says, hey, look, I was transparent that I wanted to do this and I needed to do this. Basically admitted that the injury that he suffered wasn't just going to heal because two bones that have been cracked just heal. He said he needed uh, additional, what do you call it, help, supplementation, I don't know, in, the, in addition to having the steel rod, I guess. Well, tell you what, when it, when Connor explained it that way, and then, real, and then he also said, look, only Weidman and Silva... Um, know what we're going through, and then even said to Anthony Smith, you said it yourself. You talked to Weidman, and Weidman says this is a bitch to come back from. Well, that's why we've kind of done this. Now, when Smith initially said his comments, I kind of thought the same thing, man. I thought, is that fair? Like, is that fair that you can do that? Um, You know, we've always said that we felt like steroids back in the day for recovery from injury would be okay, but to enhance performance, not okay. I think the problem is what Connor shows off and talks about the most is what looks to be 
an enhancement for performance because of his size. I'm going to hit that much harder. I'm going to be that much of more of a beast. You know, he's never really like showing us the updates on his leg or, or that that's the reason not until now. So I'm kind of all over the place. I realize that, but I did understand what Anthony Smith was saying, but I also understood McGregor's, uh, you know, fury over his comments. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Now you saw us telling Connor, you don't get the exemption. We're going to start testing you in February. You're out. You're out of the testing pool right now. But when you get back in, we're going to start testing you. And um, McGregor thinks he's going to get an exemption, like like how Brock Lesnar got one. So that's going to be an interesting side plot, subplot to it all. And then the next question, of course, is who's he fighting? What's going to happen? Because all these other lightweights are leaving him in the dust. It's really hard to make a case for McGregor just slipping into a title shot. You know McGregor's going to want a big title, big fight, and he should get one. I think Michael Chandler makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and if McGregor can beat him, it might be hard to deny him. I don't know because there's the whole story of him versus Team Team Nermi, even though it's in Islam Makhachev right there at the at the top. I could see the UFC wanting to do that. Um, at this moment, Makhachev faces Volkanovski. Let's see what happens there. But Neil Dariush, he's probably going to get Dustin Poirier. Let's see what the winner of that fight, what happens there. Because to be fair, Poirier hasn't lost to Makachev. He's lost to Oliveira and Nurmagomedov, but he hasn't lost to Makachev. And then, of course, we don't even have to go through Benil Dariush's resume. He's legit, man. If he can get past Poirier, that's the third cherry on the fucking Sunday he's made, right? So mm-hmm. who knows? That's where that division can get interesting. But again, you saw us saying from the moment we start testing you another six months. So I think even the winner of Benil Dariush and Dustin Poirier are safe from getting railroaded. USADA has to stay strong on that stance. If you bend at all for this guy, that's a big thing. Your credibility, right? It's all you have. That's your reputation. If you even show any cracks in that man, nobody's ever going to take that serious. They can't do that. They have to stay strong on that. No exemption. Yeah. Agreed. Um, now, you said you wanted one more thing to talk about. I just wanted a couple real fast. Habib Nurmagomedov. I guess he uh, did a an interview or uh, I, I guess it was some sort of a reunion, right? A conversation um, in Toronto. But I really love the way he talked about his mother. And here's why it really uh, moved me a little bit. He talked in such reverence and respect towards his mother. And it kind of shocked me a little bit. Because from what the time that I've talked to Habib, obviously, he always talked about his father, his team. But the minute you ever brought up the females in his life, he kind of didn't want to make that. He kept that private. And because that culture sometimes gets accused of being, you know, misogynistic, they just kind of stay home and we go out and hunt, like that type of thing. I don't know. Uh, I always wondered what he thought of his mother, but he spoke so beautifully of his mother. And I thought that was pretty cool how much the promise means to her. She lives with him. And then he even explained, you don't get another one. It's true. You can remarry. You can have another wife. You can Mm -hmm. have more kids. But you kind of can't have another mom. I mean, with all due respect to if your mom were to pass away and your dad gets married and and now you have a stepmom, you know, the the woman that birthed you. So good on you, Habib. I'm glad you brought that up. I still think at one point he could come back. But I guess now did you notice that little crack in my voice? I think about a year ago I was saying, watch, man, he'll be back. And now I'm like, he could be back. I'm starting to sound like Patton Oswalt. It could be back, but at what capacity, right? I could see him come back for grappling or something like that. Um, but MMA, no. it's starting to look like it's that that door might be closed, especially with Picture this. this. Picture Connie Mack beats Chandler. Sorry, Chandler. This is just for pretender, right? Um, and Makashev beats Volk. And we'll even say Mock beats the winner of 
Poye and fucking Benil, right? I don't, yeah, I should have said like that. The winner of that fight. And then he fights Connor. And Connor blitzes Makashev. And then he calls out Habib, goes to his face. And Makashev's like really messed up with a serious injury. You don't think to defend this boy, Makashev's honor, who's going to be out for a while, like Yuri, it's the, it's, it's the second worst shoulder injury that UFC's ever seen. You don't think even that could draw him out? Maybe. Maybe, but I think all his cards would be on give my boy Makachev a rematch. Right. You know, um, so, yeah, oh, yeah. it would have to be the worst knockout we've ever seen. <laughs> I know. No, granted, yeah, I, I, a lot of the things that I said made this into the million to, million to one odds that it'll happen. But here's something that was refreshing. Javier Mendez goes, said, I think it's too early. He says, I think it's too early to anoint Islam Makachev the high pound for pound rankings, whether you think he's number one or number two. And I agree with him. The mm-hmm. guy just won it. He's got to go through title defenses. He's got to fight other killers, other number one contenders, you know, and, and see where he stands. He's got a great record. He smashed the champion. I'll give you that. Right. But you haven't done what the other guys have done. You know, I know Habib's got to, you know, carry his, his words, carry a lot of weight. And he was the one leading the charge. But I was really, really happy to see Javier Mendez. He said that to our Danny Segura on Ablemos MMA. Quick shout out to them. I did an interview with Danny Segura on Ablemos MMA. We also talked to uh, George Masvidal. So check out Ablemos MMA, Spanish-speaking podcast, ran by Danny Segura. You can go through our website and see the links there. Or go to the YouTube channel and check it out. Si hablas español, te va a gustar. So... Anyway, um, what did you think of Javier Mendez's honesty? Refreshing, right? It's refreshing, um, but he's keeping it real. You know, like, where is your argument to say that? You know, you really don't have, like, that's part of the recipe is title defenses and all that. So, yeah, he didn't really much have, have much of a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, goes, if I may, one last thing here. Um, Brendan Lochning, what do you think will be the, uh, what am I looking for here? This is the guy that was told no on Survivor, or not Survivor Series, uh, Contender Series. <laughs> and he just went out, he went and won a world title. Now, I know Dana's going to paint this. You know, he can say whatever he wants. He's going to make it sound like good for him. I still don't think I made a mistake. But did he make a mistake? It depends what you define a mistake as. If Dana owns 30 houses, he's probably not going to own 31 or 32 because Brennan Lothnane's on the roster. Mm-hmm. But did he get it wrong? Yes, he got it wrong. Yeah, because the purpose of the show is to find the next star or the next contender or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think this guy's right. Brendan's saying he thinks he's one of the best, or I think the best. I can't remember what he said. He's on the planet. And he certainly... You know, he fought wrestlers, man. That's a wrestling heavy division. He fought wrestlers. He so you know, and he puts on a show. Now, granted, he takes a lot of damage, don't get me wrong, but he's in some exciting fights. But this dude with the way he talks, I think the UFC really, really lost a chance here to have another star from the other side of the pond who has exciting fights, who can talk a good game. Now, I don't know if he could reach the status of these others, you know, Poyers, Chandlers, and O'Malley's, or whoever you're. Big big ticket guys are, but I I think he's definitely clear, clearly above some of the other ones that that have been than a lot of fighters that have been in the UFC. We know? he we, blew it. You know I blew it there. We have a pretty decent relationship with him. I still feel like we'll, we'll probably have to ask this off the air, but I'm just curious how much of it he gets to keep because he gets double taxed, right? I don't know if it's double, but um, from what I've heard in the United States, if you win. A million, you can keep about six hundred and fifty thousand. That's after an- Uncle Sam, and that's after you pay off your coaches and everyone you need to pay off. Because remember, a lot of these are deductible, and um, so yeah, uh, that's that's what one winner told me. Now that guy going back to the UK, I, I would imagine they maybe take ten percent. I don't think they double tax them, so. Maybe he'll keep five hundred and seventy-five thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
something like that. All right. We'll see. All right, that's good. That's good for today. We talked about a lot. We got to save some of our energy for spinning backlink tomorrow. Catch us live Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We're going to tackle and dive into some of these other topics with our colleagues. Tomorrow we get Mike Bond and Nolan, Noli King, uh, myself and Goes, Ken Hathaway producing. It's going to be a fun time. And, of course, we'll have our second show of the week on Wednesday night or Thursday, whenever the hell we want to do it. Just kidding. No, we'll probably get it done early in the week um, because we uh, love chatting with you guys. And honestly, uh, sometimes getting it out Wednesday night helps those overseas so that you can get it in your hands sooner. Anyhow, for now, uh, we hope you had a nice Thanksgiving weekend. And I hope your teams are doing good, whoever they may be all around the world. Uh, the World Cup, uh, we'll probably touch base more on it uh, next week. But so far, a few upsets, pretty exciting. Check it out. Uh, even if you don't like soccer, just fall in love with it for another month or so. I guarantee you'll you'll come out liking it more than it than when you started. Um, have a nice day. Have a nice night. Whatever. Talk to you soon. Go out and be a champion. Bye.